It's 11.05, as Eileen Bell just mentioned, we'll be taking you live to Northlands the minute that that news conference commences. We expect to hear from Northland CEO Tim Reed, from Mayor Don Iveson, and, and perhaps others on what the future of Northlands looks like. In the meantime, Jeff Rout is hanging out here in the 630 Ched studio. He's the founder of the Alberta Freedom Party. And Jeff, you're, you're a sovereigntist. For those just joining us, you're a sovereigntist, not necessarily a separatist. That's correct. What's the difference for those that are just tuning in? Well, the difference is that I'm looking for increasing the democratic sovereign power of Albertans over Alberta, and whether we gain complete sovereignty as a within Canada or without Canada is rather irrelevant, um, t- towards sovereignty at least. I would actually say staying within Canada has uh, benefits if we could arrange that. Okay, Scott in Sherwood Park has been wondering why you wouldn't support statehood, essentially joining the United States of America. I, I would not support that at all. I'd be completely against it. And one reason is right now I'm describing how we have so little democratic power because we have a small population of 4 million people versus a larger 33 million population in, in Canada. So we've got 4 million Albertans not being able to have effect on their laws that govern them because a larger population in a vast geography is able to outvote them. Now, if that exists with 30 million other non-Albertans, imagine 300 million non-Albertans. We would have even less control then. Brent in the Grove says the reason separation even comes up, it's not because of Alberta's situation. It's because when we feel that the Eastern elite starts telling us how to run our businesses and continues to take money from us, we feel trapped. You must hear from your supporters, from those that are signing up at your uh, at, via albertafreedom.ca, you must hear different reasons motivating people. What are some of the more common ones? Uh, I'd say that's a, a very common aspect, actually. But really, the while we're talking about laws, uh, people feel it more in ec- economics. They feel it in terms of uh, being able to watch their money leave. And, and really, it, it, that's not immaterial either. We send about $50 billion to Ottawa every year, and only about $20 billion of that trickles back. Um, so that's a $30 billion loss to our economy. Now, imagine what $30 billion injected into our economy right now would be doing to us. Would that be beneficial to us? Would we be seeing less of a recession? And, of course, the answer is yes. Now, also, further imagine if we had had the last five years. Let's imagine we became sovereign five years ago. $30 billion per year. That's $150 billion circulating in our economy. Ted says your math is outdated. He says we're on the verge of huge deficits for the foreseeable future. Oil has made our province a one-trick pony. Ted says, by the time the price of oil bounces back with our current government, we'll be more in debt. Uh, he says, Ralph Klein would cringe. He's, I think he's incorrect. And a few aspects there is that Alberta actually has one of the most diverse economies on, on earth. We uh, Only about 23% of our GDP is based on oil and gas. So now that's not an insignificant amount. That's a very significant amount. But that doesn't demonstrate a, a lack of diversity. We have a very, very diverse economy. However, I would also like to point out that the, uh, the, st- the statement that we're coming to a recession right now is, is very true. Jeff, I'm going to have to cut you off. With my apologies for a moment, as we take our listeners live to Northlands, we'll be back with Jeff Rout of the Alberta Freedom Party once we find out what's going to happen with Northlands. Them to join us on stage, and we'll do a Q and A. Thanks, Tim. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a long road to be able to share this information with you. We truly appreciate your time today.
Since, 19, since 1879, Northlands has served our community, and we delivered exceptional experiences, extraordinary experiences for Edmontonians. Our 1,700 staff, our 1,100 volunteers, and our organization have always been committed to enhancing the quality of life within the city of Edmonton and northern Alberta. Recently, the realities of our world have shifted. Edmonton is evolving in its landscape, in the expectations of our citizens and our guests. Part of this change is the transition of professional hockey and 20,000 seat concerts to a new and revitalized downtown core, an exciting downtown arena. The entertainment industry as we've known it will change and it will come alive at a new venue in Rogers Place. The decision is made, the debate is done, and it's time to move on. In short, we as Northlands know we are out of the big arena game. We also know that it's time to move on. We needed to look at a new direction to transform our organization for the next hundred years of community service. As we looked at ourselves, so we looked at the opportunity, what we realized is we needed a new path. And we went immediately back to the founding principles of one of the most historic organizations in our province. Northlands has always been about serving our community. And we have no intentions of transitioning away from that in the future. So we gathered our leaders from the past, our Board of Governors, our former employees, those that had the history of Northlands. We reached out to community leadership throughout the city and northern Alberta. We engaged the public. We asked them questions, but most importantly, we listened. And we landed on two fundamental questions. What does our city need? And the second one, what can we do to meet those needs in a revitalized Northlands? The result is something that we've called Vision 2020, the recreation of recreation. This proposal has received unanimous support from our board of directors, who a number of them are in the room today. This proposal radically changes our 160-acre campus, but will continue to service our community and we will continue to meet community and public needs. When we started this journey, we told you that we started with a blank canvas. Today we don't have a final portrait, but we have the start. We have a vision to share with you today. If you talk to any amateur hockey player, mom or dad, adult hockey league participant, they'll tell you the stories of late nights and early mornings and ice time that's hard to find. They'll tell you the realities of most Canadian cities that love hockey, that love winter sport, and that love ice opportunities. And we know that by 2019, our city will need new ice surfaces. And we think we have an opportunity to meet those needs or exceed them. So today we're offering a solution to a challenge around ice. Let's renovate Rexall Place. Let's call it the Northlands Ice Coliseum a facility that will complement the existing arena strategy that we have within our city. It will complement other facilities throughout our city, but most importantly, 
It will celebrate a building that has defined winter sport in our city, in our province, and in our nation since 1974. It's a facility that delivers a multi-level experience. How about a place where our future heroes can hone their skills within the very same walls that the Great One was built, that the dynasty of the Oilers once happened? Preserving the memories of our champions while meeting a real community need. The Northlands Ice Coliseum has the potential to make Edmonton the tournament capital of Canada. So to, the, to those that have asked us over the last year, or the last five years, or the last 10 years, what are you going to do with Rexall Place? We actually think you should give it back to the community. We think that you should re-energize 475,000 square feet of public infrastructure that's bought and paid for and has been for a long time. You should deliver between 1.3 and 2 million annual visits to this part of the city that desperately needs it. You should use the facility to reinvigorate northeastern Edmonton and maximize the space for multi-purpose opportunities and major tournament hostings, but most importantly, for our community. So what we know is we know there is an opportunity to build something that meets community needs. We know that Rexall Place could be converted by 2020 and we could give it back to the community. It's with mixed emotions today that we talk about our partnership with horse racing. What we do know in coordination with horse racing is 2016 will be our last year in the horse racing business. As the realities of change have impacted Northlands, we needed to think about our entire site. With the new arena revitalizing our downtown core, our business model has changed. And to embrace that, we needed to consider the highest and best use of 52 acres of land only minutes from the downtown core. The site offers strong infrastructure, great accessibility, and an opportunity for Northlands to transform itself with a truly holistic view of our campus. So what we're proposing today is the transformation of the grounds and the renovation of current infrastructure to create the Northlands Urban Festival and Event Site. This urban park will be purposefully built, designed to receive events with a capacity of 30,000 to an excess of 90,000 people. A site with flexibility to host massive scale concerts and entertainment, midways and special events. A site to host Cavalia and Cirque du Soleil when they come back to our community. A site to host outdoor rodeos, large high volume festivals, but it's also a site where you can play. It's a site that leverages the existing parking that we have on Northlands. It's a site that leverages great bus and LRT accessibility. It's a site that offers a transit experience for our guests that will be equal or greater than anywhere in Canada or anywhere in North America. But most importantly, it's a site that when it's not hosting a major event, is yours. It's a site that will be accessible and that will be open and will encourage community activation, and play. The site is intended to receive large volumes of people, service the needs of our guests in an exceptional way, build upon the proven ability that our site already has, 
to host volumes, large-scale volumes of people. Similar to what we do every year at K-Days when over 850,000 people come to join us on our site. This isn't a new idea, it's something that we do every year. But the site needs to be de designed with the intent for scalability and functionality. To complement the fantastic facilities that we have for outdoor gathering in the city and not compete with them. It needs to be a site that can receive the growing needs of our festival communities for the future and encourage their growth today. But most importantly, the site needs to be 365 days of activation. It needs to be a place when you don't go with purpose, that 365 days a year, it can transform from one day being a world-class event site to an extension of one of the best parks in our city in Borden Park. This needs to become a place where on a Sunday afternoon, you can go and spend time with your friends and neighbors. As we talked about the future of Rexall Place, the community gave us great feedback that there was a need for a 5,000 seat facility in our community, that we lose opportunity. There was a need to complement the existing infrastructure in Rexall Place and the existing infrastructure that we have in other mid-sized indoor facilities. Currently, our community misses out on opportunities because we can't receive 5,000 seat entertainment opportunities. So Northlands is proposing that we refurbish Hall D and we modernize the structure into valuable community space. We enhance and complement the existing operations of the Edmonton Expo Center. While we concurrently synergize with what happens downtown at Rogers Place and the activation that OEG and the city are proposing downtown. Hall D can become a place to incubate development sports, to grow the sporting community within Edmonton, but most importantly, allow them to be successful and be received by the downtown property once they've seen considerable attendance at their events. We want to propose a functional facility, one that can receive a variety of unique events that meet community needs, deliver experiences, but most importantly, to find new market in the city of Edmonton. By replacing the roof structure within the Hall D facility, we can meet the rigging needs of future events, we can add more seats, a modest bank of suites, and we can receive ICE users, multi-sport users, and enhance the current trade, convention, and conference demands within the city of Edmonton. The Northlands Ice Coliseum, the Northlands Urban Festival and Event Site, and the modernization of Hall D are the cornerstone catalyst projects for Vision 2020. Each of these major projects gives Edmontonians something new, but it's important to note that we're not competing with existing venues, we're complementing them. We're complementing current infrastructure within the city of Edmonton. Most importantly, we're reusing infrastructure that already exists. This isn't about building new. This is about taking infrastructure that is already bought and paid for and programmed within our city and allowing it to receive the next hundred years of operations in our city. We have been giving Edmontonians extraordinary experiences for over 136 years. And the reality of it is, our 1,700 employees are damn good at doing it. And we've been doing it longer than anybody else in this province. In fact, we've been doing it for longer than the province has existed. And we honestly believe 
that if anybody can reshape themselves for the future, it's Northlands. Because we've been doing it for 136 years. This is not stepping away from our heritage. This is embracing our experience. This is leveraging the experience that we have that very few others in this province do, and forming a plan for the next century of Northlands. But we've not forgotten that everything we have always done has been to service our community. And ultimately, the future of Northlands can't be up to the pictures that you see today. The future of Northlands has to be up to Edmontonians. We truly believe that we are a community service organization. And if you believe that, you have to live it. And so we have to listen. So today, we're not telling the community what you're going to get. Not at all. Today, our intent is to look to the community to tell us what you need and what you think. Our question today is, did we get this right? And if not, what should we do? Today is the start of the conversation. It's not the end. And I need to be very clear that the city of Edmonton asked us for a plan. And today we're sharing it with you. But it needs to be your plan. And it needs to be built on your feedback. If we hear broad support for this plan as we move forward, we'll initiate conversations with our federal government, our provincial government, our municipal government, and private funding opportunities to see how we can bring this plan to life. But if not, in remaining true to our community roots and being a good neighbor, we'll go back to the drawing board and we'll, we'll start to rethink our plan and we'll come up with a new image and a new concept to bring back to Edmontonians. As we have for 136 years, we've served at the pleasure of the City of Edmonton and Northern Alberta. And we're confident that if we listen and that we engage and we communicate, there'll be an opportunity for us to build something spectacular for the next century of Northlands. And we believe if we listen and we work with you, Vision 2020 will be truly spectacular. So I thank you for your time today, and we look forward to your feedback. Mayor Iveson. Well, good morning, everyone, and <clears throat> excuse me. Thank you, Tim, for uh, walking us through the proposal. I uh, really want to acknowledge and applaud uh, the creativity of not only the staff at Northlands, who I know have been slaving away at this for uh, months and months and months, uh, but also uh, the volunteer members of the Board of Directors and the Futures Committee, and uh, previously the members of the uh, ARENA uh, Repurposing Committee or, or Review Committee that, uh, that met last year and provided, I think, some of the initial recommendations that you've seen float through to today. And so many hands have touched this work, uh, including also uh, Council Councillor Tony Caterina and Councillor Mike, Councilor Michael, Michael Oshry from the City of Edmonton who uh, sit with me on the, the board of uh, Northlands. And so it's been a team effort to get to this point and um, I congratulate Northlands for coming up with uh, several intriguing proposals for the repurposing of existing facilities that uh, leverage the land and the investment in the community assets that exist here today. Um, the City of Edmonton and Northlands have a historic partnership, as uh, Tim has described, that touches many different activities, uh, both economic and social and entertainment in our city. And that partnership has evolved many times, often around uh, hockey in our city. And uh, it's wonderful to see a suggestion that it can evolve once more, even though NHL hockey will no longer be 
uh, at the uh, the Coliseum as I knew it growing up, but the opportunity to bring uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of people to maintain that all-important traffic to this part of the city. I think that creates uh, real opportunities and, and from uh, the feedback that I've heard so far, I think that idea has great resonance with the community as an opportunity to repurpose uh, uh, all Place as we know it today. And that was an idea that came out of the, uh, the arena committee previously that I think there was a lot of interest in from the committee members at the time. And so it's great to see that included in this proposal. Um, that one has the most obvious connection to the city since we, uh, since we run arenas and since we have uh, need to replace some existing aging arenas as well as deal with growth and demand for ice over time. And I think uh, the repurposing of the building and the traffic that it generates creates a lot of interesting opportunities for partnership as well. And so uh, very interested uh, to explore that uh, when it comes forward formally to Council uh, on March 15th next month. Uh, but we'll also, as Tim suggested, uh, be very eager to hear what the feedback is from the community about that proposal as well as the others. With respect to this building that we're in here, it's an integral part of the tourism uh, and trade and convention uh, infrastructure for this city and for Alberta. And so its future is of paramount importance. Uh, and if there's an opportunity to um, leverage again Hall D, which is perhaps an underutilized space today to good effect and to do so uh, ideally on a revenue neutral basis where the new activity that takes place in there can pay the cost over time of, uh, of the improvements necessary to host that activity, then that would be a strong business case. And we'll look forward to seeing the details uh, as, as uh, those emerge. However, there is the larger question of this conference center and I want to make absolutely clear that whatever we do must involve closer integration with uh, Edmonton Economic Development, with Edmonton Tourism, and with the Shaw Conference Centre. These two facilities, both funded by the City, cannot be at cross-purposes. They must be acting in harmony for the benefit of uh, this community and uh, business and trade and convention activity that occurs here and the tourism that that generates. So that will be a factor in the city's consideration or at least my consideration of anything to do with the future of this building. But I do think that the right conversations are happening. I think there's an openness right now between EEDC uh, and between Northlands that has uh, been a long time in coming and I think that the, the circumstances of the need to reposition Northlands around the future have contributed to that openness and I'm uh, optimistic that we'll be able to get that outcome of collaboration between these two facilities for the benefit of our whole regional economy. Uh, finally, as to the uh, the outdoor event site, I think understanding now and, con and, and understanding officially that uh, uh, horse racing will be coming to a, an end here after this year, obviously that will that will come uh, as a disappointment to many, but um, the economics around that are what they are and those decisions are, are made by others and uh, at this point uh, certainly we're going to have to adapt and it, uh, the site creates a lot of different opportunities for different kinds of programming or redevelopment. I think the, the, the need for an outdoor event site for various kinds of events remains and whether it's parking or whether it's grass, that need is real for the City of Edmonton and so we'll look forward to hearing from the community about what is palatable and what is not uh, for programming of that site. 
um, and also understanding particularly the cost implications of that redevelopment. Um, nonetheless, uh, uh, individually the three uh, proposals and collectively the desire to reposition this organization for continued partnership and success with the City of Edmonton and the province of Alberta is very, very well received. And so our next steps as a city will be to, um, as with Northlands, listen and hear what the public has to say in response to these proposals. Uh, uh, more detailed financial analysis about what specifically is asked of the City of Edmonton. Um, of course it will have to, in a difficult financial environment, compete against other priorities and other, other issues that the City of Edmonton uh, needs to resolve from an infrastructure point of view. Uh, however, uh, to the extent that some of these proposals could be uh, revenue neutral or close to revenue neutral or can demonstrate the strength of their business case, then I think there's certainly possibility for them to contend favorably against other priorities in the fiscal environment that we're in. And so we'll have to consider that as we move forward. That will be part of uh, uh, Council's uh, consideration on, on March 15th, and that will be part of the work that we'll ask City Administration to do um, between now and then, and, and most likely after then. But ultimately, these are very, very creative proposals. They've been designed with a lot of community input so far, and I, uh, I agree wholeheartedly with Tim. Now is the opportunity for the community to weigh in and provide feedback to all of us on which parts of this uh, uh, make the most sense and are the most worthwhile uh, recipients of investment. So uh, thank you very much for including the City of Edmonton at every stage of this process, including today, and uh, we'll look very much forward to hearing what Edmontonians have to say. Thank you very much. So there you have it. Northland CEO Tim Reed, Mayor Don Iveson, bringing Edmontonians up to speed on what the future of Northlands looks like. Listener to Rocky says, what does this mean for the future of Canadian Finals Rodeo? Another listener out of Edmonton says, this is what Alberta does. Primarily in the city of Edmonton, we do everything possible to move away from keeping things like farm fair and CFR, you know, Edmonton will become a city of kids that grow up never seeing a cow or a chicken or a horse. They don't understand how crops grow. They don't get how machinery is used. Just what we need, more hockey rinks. Nothing seems sacred. Horse racing on the way out. Chuck wagons, you can add to that. Listener goes on to say, I'm sorry if this sounds sarcastic. It's just so disappointing. Max says, revitalization of the Coliseum. It sounds more like a single-source bid process by a bloated organization that's grown fat on subsidy and is grasping for more city money. This will just turn into another construction debacle with large delays and massive cost overruns. That from Mac. So where are the optimists? I can tell you that uh, Jalen uh, has just popped her head in to let me know that they'll be kicking off the 6.30 Chet afternoon news with Northland CEO Tim Reed. They'll be getting into this in detail, so be sure to submit your questions then. Our thanks to Jeff Rout, the founder of the Alberta Freedom Party, who's hung out through that news conference to continue our conversation. Jeff, you were originally slated to be here for a half hour, but we don't ignore audience reaction, and I can tell you audience reaction has been strong in this case. We've got literally hundreds of text messages. Are you surprised to see people connecting with your message both positively and negatively? Not to, not really, no. We've we've seen uh, quite a lot of response from Albertans already, uh, and that's just been on social media and Facebook, which is really primarily where we've been located. 
Um, in terms of negative, I, I don't know what, how many texts you're getting that are negative, but uh, based on the feedback I've received, I'm going to guess it's about one quarter or less. Marfus out of Peace River says, uh, I believe that your guest, Jeff Rout, is wasting his time and ours. Alberta is landlocked and would be at everyone's mercy to get our goods to market. Now, if BC would join, says Marfus, he may have a point with merit. What are your thoughts? I mean, people have talked in past about Cascadia or about the western provinces separating. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, you know, how do you view that? Well, I do know that there are uh similar movements in BC and Saskatchewan and Manitoba. However, I don't think that we should wed our fate to theirs. I think that's a very strong element of why the Western Canada concept failed, which was a a separatist movement in the 1980s for Alberta and Western Canada. Um, And it's very simple to see that if you try to make it more complicated, it's more likely to fail. If other provinces also want to become sovereign, they should have their own movement and focus on their own movement. And then we, we see what relationship we have in the future. As to the issue of being landlocked, that really isn't a uh, concern at all. There are many successful landlocked countries, such as Switzerland, Luxembourg, Austria, uh, Serbia. So uh, they're able to export their goods without any issue. Moreover, though, the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea does grant access to uh, the sea from landlocked countries, and Canada is a signer to that. So you're saying that our chances might actually improve? Yeah, absolutely. It's, we gain more strength by being sovereign. We don't lose strength. We gain it. Vic uh, joins the chorus of those. There's actually been several that have been asking what the political landscape might look like in your sovereign Alberta. He says, would we still have the political parties we have now, or would there be a complete revamp, new political parties in the province? Obviously, you'd be one of them, because don't you need to achieve provincial government to even flirt with this idea, don't you? That's correct. We, we'd have to either form the government with our party or form a coalition government which is where the other party that forms the coalition would be sympathetic towards uh, sovereignty or at least be sympathetic enough to allow a referendum to make to let Albertans make that choice for themselves. So how how would this happen if you if you achieve let's say hypothetically speaking you achieve a majority provincial government mm-hmm. you just go ahead and declare sovereignty or do you put a referendum out I mean how how does this play out Oh we definitely need a referendum we want uh, a party can get a majority with just 39% of the vote or less, and we've seen that many times. In, uh, we saw it just recently in Alberta, and we've seen it in the federal government many times. So having a majority government is not enough to uh, bring about a decision of this magnitude. You would need to have uh, a majority of popular support. Beverly says, uh, I'm a Canadian, I've lived in three provinces, and I supported Quebec separatist uh, efforts because I didn't think that I should be paying their way. She says, I understand logistics will not be easy or immediate. Uh, There's a tremendous amount of struggle ahead. She says, I have a couple of questions, though. Uh, What would the dollar look like? Would we move to the U.S. dollar, which is stronger, or do we remain with the Canadian dollar, which is lackluster at best? She also wonders, would Alberta consider accepting other provinces should they wish to separate with us? Let's let's take on the currency question, because that's a big one. Uh, It is a big one. I would say that we want to transition to this slowly, and I would recommend that we adopt our own Alberta dollar. And the reason for that is we want to make sure that we have complete control over our monetary policy. If we're using a foreign dollar, either Canada or American, or you can choose the euro or, or any other currency in the world, we are allowing another foreign nation to exert great political influence over us. We don't want that. We want to have control. 
of our monetary policy, so start your own dollar. The, the, your entire bedrock is autonomy, right? Is sovereignty. It really it is. wouldn't make sense to adopt another currency. That's it would correct. Sort of, it would sort of be self-contradictory. It is, and there's really not really much of a benefit in adopting another currency. Um, that always is an option if if there was some calamity that would bring it, that would necessitate that. But really, uh, no, we, we want to have control. Okay, there'd also have to be uh, great strides taken in the area of policing, uh, in the area of pension as yeah. well. That's where we'll go with Jeff Rote, founder of the Alberta Freedom Party right after this. Fascinating conversation with Jeff Rout, founder of the Alberta Freedom Party. He wants a sovereign Alberta. Jeff, we're going to try to get to as many points as we can here in our remaining time. Were you to achieve your goal, you'd have to figure out a whole bunch of things, including a provincial or, or an Albertan equivalent to the Canada Pension Plan, mm-hmm. an equivalent to the RCMP, an equivalent to the Canadian Forces, to the military. Mm-hmm. Where do you start? Uh, with many of those aspects, we'd want to do it prior to sovereignty. Uh, that would include the CPP transitioning to an APP. This is not without precedent, as Quebec has its own pension plan. And uh, likewise, we'd have to start a provincial police force, which would we'd want this prior to sovereignty, because we don't want to lose the services immediately without having something to replace it uh, from the RCMP. So we need something which can keep that service within rural Alberta. So we we gradually transition, create an Alberta provincial police, and then have that take over the services from the RCMP. And then, uh, as for military, military we cannot have until we became sovereign, because that is a absolutely a federal aspect. Um, so we we could theoretically have uh, it in place and have people training to, for, towards it, but it's not it's not an immediate issue. Uh, we're not surrounded by enemies; we're surrounded by friends. So while we do want a military, because that's really the only responsible thing to have, um, building up gradually once we become sovereign is not a great risk to us. Jeff says, oh, please, whatever happened to communication, enough of revolution talk like this would, he says this would destabilize the economy and it could take a generation to rebuild it. Well, our, our talk in Alberta is without any meaningful impact in Ottawa. So, and we've seen that time and time again. Um, and I gave the example of uh, Motion X, if all of Alberta voted for, uh, unanimously wanted Motion X, but Quebec and Ontario voted against it, Motion X would fail. So our ability to talk and control our uh, own laws and our own lives is completely non-existent. Uh, as for destabilization, yes, that would actually occur briefly. Um, anytime there's any change in the political field, investors get nervous, and you're going to see some fluctuation there. However, savvy investors would also re- recognize opportunity within uh, a volatile market, and that's what we call it. We call it volatility. So it's, uh, a savvy investor would recognize what we are moving towards, and they'd probably want to get on board rather swiftly. Adam says the idea or threat of separation has merit if managed properly. Look at the economic benefit Quebec receives with the threat, and they're a huge disability to our country. Says, could you imagine the threat of losing the economic driver of Canada? Meantime, Ted says this entire exercise is a waste of time. It sounds good, but it's totally unrealistic what your guest is proposing. He's making assumptions that we could just transition out of confederation without any compensation to the rest of Canada. I'm not making that assumption at all. It's actually my assumption that we owe the federal government money right now. Uh, Alberta's share of the federal debt is about $75 billion. We should expect that to increase. So probably in four years, it'll be about $100 billion, our share. Um, So that's money that we owe the federal government because it's 
been democratically elected, and that's what uh, their mandate was, was to, to rack up a huge debt. So we do owe that money. We're going to have to pay it back, um, and, and that's the way it is. Now, if we wanted to not owe that money, we should have become sovereign long ago. The good news, though, is that we owe that money already. That money isn't... It's not that if you're leaving, here's $75 billion of debt. It's $75 billion of debt is already owed to, to us. You have to pay it back and your children. The good news, however, also is that um, once we became sovereign, Ottawa can no longer keep increasing our debt. It becomes $75 billion, and that's it. On Twitter, Roger Rabbitleg says this is merely changing the scale. There would still be voters disenfranchised by demographics like liberal city versus rural conservative. He says your guest is basically arguing for the equivalent of states' rights, which is essentially the right to oppress and discriminate. Jeff, I'll let you respond to that. Jeff Rout, the founder of the Alberta Freedom Party, right after this. Our guest uh, in studio... And thanks for your flexibility, by the way, with that Northlands news conference right in the middle of your appearance. Jeff Rout, the founder of the Alberta Freedom Party. We touched off reading a tweet that essentially suggested you'd still have voters disenfranchised by demographics, regardless if Alberta was sovereign or not. Another listener says, OK, well, hang on a second. I mean, where does sovereignty end for all people? What if Edmontonians then want to separate from Alberta? What if Mill Woods wants independence from Edmonton? Says it's a, a fun thought, but unrealistic in practice. Well, that that doesn't discount the fact that Albertans right now don't have any impactful law over Alberta. And to say that if you can't have a law on your own street, therefore we shouldn't have democracy at all because we should let the people in the East completely control uh, our law, that, that doesn't seem too logical to me. Uh, however, we, we've, we've actually considered this, and the Swiss Canton system is quite efficient for this. Um, the Swiss have a confederation of cantons, which we, we'd call kind of like a municipal district, and they have a strong amount of democracy within each canton. Uh, and so emulating the Swiss system to increase the infringement, increase the, uh, the connection of the people to their government as much as possible is something we can absolutely achieve. We'll go to Norm's question to wrap this up because it's probably the most important one. Sure. Norm wants to know what happens with our football teams. Well, I, I'll throw the hockey teams into the mix too. Sure. I, I don't think that we should expect too much change there. I mean, uh, football teams exist in other countries and I don't see they exist. If you're talking about the CFL, it exists in both Canada and the America. Why not throw Alberta? It has done in past for sure. Jeff Rout, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you. Uh, really appreciate your time. It's an interesting perspective. Maybe not necessarily one I agree with, but I can tell you <laughs> many of our listeners have connected uh, with what you've been here to say. You want me to direct them to your website, hmm. albertafreedom.ca? Is that the best place to go for more information? Yes, please. Jeff Rout, there you have it. You can let us know what you think about what you've heard. We'll get into the mailbag tomorrow. A good show in store for tomorrow, including a guest kicking us off in studio right after the 9 o'clock news, retired Member of Parliament, Lori Hahn. Looking forward to catching up. The Oilers now coming up, and then Jalen Nye talks to Tim Reed, the CEO of Northlands, just after 2 o'clock. Have a great day, friends.